This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's time. Time for Silver and Black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome back to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Scott Branson and Mo Moten with you here today. And we are going to, oh, yes, bring him back. That is the one most redomus. When Mo predicts things, he is most redomus. He takes on the alter ego, sort of. We just get to put up my stupid little graphic, which if you're watching us on YouTube, you could see. We'll also tweet that out today so you can check it out. Mo's head in a crystal ball. Mo, here we are. We're just one day away from the Raiders getting to their 53-man roster, although they did make some moves on Sunday. Brandon Parker to the IR, that was not a surprise. But certainly the the change is in motion. The wheels are in motion. It's time to get serious and get ready for the regular season of 53. We're going to go through your 53-man projected roster, which you published up on SportsNot, which we will uh, – uh, go through and run through so you can check it out. And we're going to talk through Mo's reasoning behind this. Everybody likes to do the 53-man rosters. And so we're going to uh, do that with Mo today. But Mo, uh, not a surprise with Brandon Parker, even in your piece, which we'll talk about in a minute, you kind of mentioned, well, if he goes on IR, which everybody thought would happen. And sure enough, the Raiders made a few moves on Sunday, uh, yesterday afternoon late, uh, but none of them real surprising. Yeah, nothing real surprising. As you can see on my 53-man uh, roster projections, I actually have Brandon Parker going on IR. It was just a matter of would he go on IR before they set the 53-man depth chart, which is what they did, So, which means his season is over. Can't play this year if you go on IR before the 53-man uh, roster is set. Or would he go on IR after the roster was set? And that wasn't the case because if he was on IR after the roster was set, he would be able to come back after week four. So apparently his... Injury is serious, and he's out of the mix. Uh, of course, there was speculation weeks ago after the Hall of Fame game that he was going to go on IR. It didn't happen that day. Uh, according to reporters, the Rays were holding out hope that he would be able to come back at some point in the season, but apparently that wasn't the case. 
No, absolutely. Also yesterday, just to get everybody up to speed in case you missed it, you're busy doing stuff on Sunday and you're checking in now on your commute listening to us and wondering what happened, the Raiders announced also they waived Nick Bowers, the tight end, and also Justin Hall, the wide receiver, number 12, as he wore. Also on IR, along with Brandon Parker, was Tyler Lancaster, defensive tackle, and then Tay Davis, who they just signed, Mo. This is second time now, right, that um, that uh, the Raiders have signed a player, and within a week they're on IR. Yeah, it happens where you're trying to just see what you can get out of a player in maybe one week. If he shows you something special, maybe you keep him, maybe you don't. But I figure he was just a roster fill at the moment just to give the yeah. guy a crack, you know, a shot at the job. But they're going to move on. And the linebacker position is very interesting for the Raiders because – and we're going to talk about this. I think two undrafted free agents have a chance to make the roster debut simply because after Devon Diablo, Denzel Perryman, and Jayon Brown, it's a it's a little thin there with the depth. Because remember, <laughs> they lost they lost Micah Kaiser and they let go of yeah. Kenny Young, two veterans. So it opens the spot for some young guys to get the job. Absolutely. Okay, so we want to jump right in here. By the way, make sure you subscribe to the show if you haven't done it already. Just hit the subscription button wherever you listen to the podcast, whether it's on Apple, iTunes, or elsewhere. You can do it there as well. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit subscription and the notification bell. Ring that bell for us so you get notified anytime a video is uploaded and ready to roll for you. Okay, so here we are. We're going to take a look now. Mo's piece, if you go up to sportsnot.com, if you go to Mo's Twitter handle, you'll see it uh, where you can check it out. But he has his final 53-man roster, and we're going to roll through this because uh, that's what we want to do on this Monday and get you set for tomorrow's cuts. We're not going to spend a lot of time on quarterback, Mo. I mean, Derek Carr, Jarrett Stidham, not much going on there as far as we know uh, that Stidham won out. That's why Mullins was traded. We've seen Chase Garbers as a a third-string a backup, and probably as a practice squad, maybe that could be a guy they don't keep. We don't know yet. We'll see if they do or not uh, with that. And then we're going to go right to running back, okay? So so after quarterback, not spend a lot of time for once uh, in a long time. You have uh, Josh Jacobs as a starter. You have Jacob Johnson as the fullback. Not a surprise there. Backups, Zamir White, Amir Abdullah, and Brandon Bolden. Talk through... This is pretty consistent with what you've been saying for weeks on how you thought this was going to shake out, with an exception. Uh, But talk about that and why Jacob Johnson and Josh Jacobs. It's a lot of J's, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so basically the way I I explained it was I compared it to the Patriots depth chart last year. Josh Jacobs is Damian Harris. Zamir White is Ramondre Stevenson. Amir Abdullah is James White. And Brandon Bolden is Brandon Bolden. <laughs> he was on the Patriots, <laughs> so he's going to play his special teams a role and have some pat, uh, targets out of the backfield as a pass catcher. So a lot of people, the pushback there is, does Britain, uh, Britton Brown make the roster? And I say he makes it to the practice squad. Maybe the Raiders protect him during the season. Remember, the Raiders and every NFL team can protect up to four players on their practice squad. I just think that the running back room is so crowded that you just can't fit another back in there. I don't know why they would carry uh, five running backs plus Jakob Johnson at the fullback position because chances are your your last one or two guys at the running back position are going to be inactive on game day anyway. So you want to reserve that spot for a place where you're going to actually use a player, let's say a uh, uh, linebacker, safety maybe. You need some guys on special teams that are going to be active. That's what you save the spot for. So I think Britton Brown 
ultimately goes to the practice squad, assuming he clears waivers and the Raiders are able to get him back. I know it's a tough cut because he played well during the preseason. But again, I don't see the point of keeping five backs plus a fullback. No, and and tough cuts is part of it. We've been talking about that for the last week, too, that the Raiders were going to be in the position where they've done so well in player acquisition, even with some of these guys they brought in for camp purposes. Uh, they've just performed well, some of these young guys. And you talked about two undrafted free agents that you're going to get to uh, that might make this roster. But you look at that situation at running back, uh, Just that's a nice lineup for this team. I think it fits well with the system, and everybody's excited to see it. All right, on to wide receiver, Mo. Not a surprise here. One guy that we liked early on is not here, but you have Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Mac Hollins as the third starter, and then uh, Tyron Johnson and DJ Turner, who had just a great preseason, especially the last two games, uh, turned it on and did r- well. Um not on this is whom? No Keelan Cole. And yes. I, I talked about that after the post game from the Patriots uh, show that we did that because of DJ Turner's uh, involvement on special teams, Tom McMahon is going to probably pound the table for DJ, DJ Turner over Keelan Cole. I actually think the Reds was showcasing Keelan Cole for other teams because he has a starting experience, pretty decent player. You could probably get a draft pick for him from a team like, say, the Bears or, or the Colts who need a number two guy. I know they drafted Alec Pierce, but maybe they want a veteran in there. So he Keelan Cole has some value. You can trade him, get a draft pick. DJ Turner has some value on special teams. You keep him uh, as a returner. It can also be a backup slot for Hunter Renfro. And uh, Tyron T. Billy Johnson, I have him on the roster because he's the big play guy. He gives your wide receiver core that juice, that speed that's lacking. Uh, of course, we know Devontae Adams is great, not a burner. Doesn't need to be. But Tyron mm-hmm. Johnson gives you something that the other players like Adams and Renfro can't give you, and that's the speed. No doubt. And a good unit there, I think. I, you know, Mac Hollins, I'm still a little uncertain of at that number three position, but I, I'm not going to back off of what I said a couple weeks ago, and that is I think that third spot will probably be a rotation unless yep. Mac Hollins does do well. I mean, you're going to see guys in anyway, but if one of the other wide receivers can jump in, especially I think Johnson has a chance to maybe swipe that role uh, from what you've projected, uh, but we'll have to see, right? We'll have to see how it goes. And, once again. and really quick, I've I've compared Matt Collins to, if you guys remember, Andre Holmes. That's basically mm-hmm. what I think Matt Collins is going to be. He's going to be a red zone threat. He can give you a couple of, of big plays per game, and he's going to play on special teams. Nothing special. As you said, I agree with you. The Rays are probably going to rotate in that three spot. Sometimes you see Tyron Johnson there. Sometimes you may see, see DJ, DJ Turner there, mm-hmm. especially if Hunter is on the outside or if they move Adams around. That third spot is going to be fluid, but I think Mac Collins not playing in that last preseason game was all indication that he's pretty much a safe bet to make the roster there. And again, huge uh, on special teams as well. Now we're going to get to tight ends. Uh, and if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see the story up here. Make sure you go to sportsnot.com and read Mo's latest roster projection. Now here's the only hiccup for Mostradamus on your projection. Mm-hmm. Now this, of course was published on Saturday, uh, so it was prior to Sunday. And, of course, Nick mm-hmm. Bowers, who you have as a backup. You have Darren Waller, obviously, as the starter. Backups Moreau, Bowers, and Horstead. So now with Bowers, why do you think – Big Bowers was a surprise, I think, for some folks, a, a minor surprise, mm-hmm. right? But uh, mm-hmm. what was it about Nick Bowers that had him 
saying adios. Now he might get, if he makes it through waivers, might make it to the practice squad, especially with this mm-hmm. tight end heavy offense. But uh, that was a surprise, Mo. Yeah, and a lot of people push back on that, kudos to those folks. But the reason I, I'll explain why I have him on the list is because he took the most inline snaps at the tight end position on the Raiders roster through the preseason. So I feel like they were prepping him to be that, you know, six offensive lineman just in case you have a, a weak right tackle on the strong side. So it would have made sense. He's a young guy still developing, so he has room to grow. But they had different plans. So to me, that opens up the spot for possibly Jacob Hollister. And the reason I had Bowers over Hollister is because Hollister missed some time. I believe he played in the Hall of Fame game. Then he had an undisclosed injury. So I I would have put Hollister there, but I thought the injury would hurt his chances of making the 53. For now, as we're recording this, apparently not. As you said, Bowers can wind up on the practice squad. Who knows? He may wind up on the 53 because the roster is going to – the last four to five roster spots are going to change over the week. So after the Raiders set their 53-man roster – it's going to continue to change throughout the week, maybe until up until week one. So the 53 that you see may not be the 53 that's that's on the roster for um, before the Chargers game when the Raiders take the field. Yeah, it's a good point to make, Mo, because a, a lot of times you see teams, but depending on what else is going on, we don't know what else is going on. There could be a move today uh, from a, from a trade perspective. There could all there's all sorts of reasons why they might let a guy go through waivers, be, even though they like him, and they, he, he might end up making the 53-man roster, like you said. Uh, but but certainly, uh, that is an interesting one. Horstead, you talked about him in your piece as well on Sports Not. What did you see in his game that makes you think that he's a guy to make the 53? At first, I remember Murph mentioned him, and he said Horstead was a great story, and I agreed with him. And we kind of, kind of just brushed Horstead off as he's probably not going to make the roster, right? <laughs> but Guilty when I when charged. I went back, I said, I, right, and I, but when I look back, because again, I watch these games multiple times, and I'm like, wait a minute, now the Raiders may have something in Horstead. Mm-hmm. He can he can run block, caught all his targets, I believe, had seven catches, didn't drop a, a pass. And he, I know he played in the last preseason game, so that means he's probably on the on the, on shaky ground when it comes to the roster spots. But I think he performed relatively well for an unknown. I think people shouldn't sleep on him, even if he doesn't make the roster. I could see the Raiders uh, moving him onto the practice squad and keeping him through the season. And we're going to get into talking about uh, some of uh, on Thursday, Darren Waller, because I, I have a take on that and and my stock up and stock down piece. I'm going to give you guys when we when we get there. But but with Waller, um, I have no doubt that he'll be ready for week one. He'll be ready to go. But, Mo, is any part of you have any reservations about the fact that we've talked over the last couple of shows, actually, he's had these injuries. He hasn't been on the field. I'm not saying he should play in preseason games because he had an injury, but he's not been around the team as much, which we also argued that was not a big deal. Uh, is there any concern, though, that he might have a slower start? because of that time away i think that's a legitimate concern i want to be clear about my concerns with darren waller because people are going to say oh is he going to hold out no i don't think he's going to hold out i think the raiders are going to come to an agreement with him on on a on a pay raise before week one and even if they don't i think during the season that he may get an extension if he shows that he could stay healthy but as you just mentioned he's had injuries going back to last year had an ankle injury missed a chunk of training camp went into the season I believe he missed the game in the middle of the season because of his ankle. And then he had the IT band string. Then this training camp, he has the hamstring injury, which Adam Schefter said was a legit injury and why he was missing a lot of time. So he's been banged up. 
And if he's not 100%, he may suit up, but you still want guys ready to play uh, significant snaps just in case Darren Waller can't have his uh, regular workload. So that's why you have guys like Foster Moreau on the roster. That's why you keep Horstel on the roster who can catch the football and run block. That's why I have Nick Bowers on the roster because he could block, play inline tight end. It's because of Waller and his condition. Is he going to be 100% week one? He, he probably won't be, but how much is he going to play in that first game is the question. It's a great question. I think Foster Moreau, the first two, maybe even three weeks are going to be big for this team because he's going to have to carry some of that load that you would normally have Darren Waller until he gets into full game shape and ready to go as long as he's healthy, which we don't have any indication that he won't be other than that hamstring. And hamstrings, uh, you know, he's had enough time, I think, that the hamstring would heal, but you just never know. They can be very fickle and uh, can give you problems past the time frame that you usually expect. All right, we're going to step aside for a Scott, quick... Really, oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Really quick, really quick, Scott. I'm, I'm 36 years old, full disclosure. <laughs> if, you, if you're 36 years old and you've ever had like a Charlie horse or like a handy oh. pull or something like that, yeah, those things will put you down for a while. So I'm just I'm just saying this guy is, you know, close to 250 pounds running up and down the field. You know, understand those hamstring injuries are no joke. Yeah, I, I hey, I, I stained the deck yesterday on Sunday in the backyard <laughs> in the 93 uh, degree heat here, along with like 80 percent humidity. I almost I thought my hamstring was going to explode. In fact, I got up and my hamstring would not bend with me. So I was crawling around like a <laughs> like I was in the walking fetal position. So you're right, man. As you age, it gets even worse. Okay, now we will take a break. When we come back, we're going to unveil the rest of Mo Stradamus's 53-man roster. We're going to start with the offensive line when we come back. The offensive line. Oh, yes. The much maligned, discussed, and worrisome offensive line. But maybe there's good news. We'll talk to Mo about that, too, when we come back. Here on Silver and Black Today an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. Hope your Monday's going well. If you're listening to us on the way to work on Monday morning, sorry. We're all there. We go. We understand. But hey, at least you get to hear some Raiders talk 
on your way in. So that'll make your day much better. Scott Branson, Mo Moten with you here as we are all the time. We're coming to you on the special Monday show. Of course, we usually go Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday post game. But this week, cuts coming up. So we wanted to get to this uh, 53-man roster to you on Monday. And then, of course, we will have another Wednesday show so we can go over the official final 53-man roster of your Las Vegas Raiders as we head into the season. Do us a favor. Make sure you follow Mo on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. And you can follow the show as well at SNB Today as long as you subscribe. No, yes, subscribe for us here at the podcast as well as on YouTube. So thank you all for that. Okay, Mo, we're going to jump back in now and get right to it with your 53-man roster, which again, people can find up on sportsnot.com. Mo, on the offensive line, and I'm, I'm reading here, you have the starters in order, uh, I think, of uh, left to right. Yes, uh, Colton Miller at left tackle, John Simpson at left guard, Andre James at center, of course. Dylan Parham at right guard, which I agree with. I think they're going to go with the young guy. And Jermaine Illuminor at the dreaded, dreaded right tackle <laughs> for the Raiders. Backups, Jackson Barton, Lester Cotton, Alex Bars. I agree with that one, too. Alex Leatherwood. Okay, take a deep breath, Raider Nation. I know a lot of people out there want him <laughs> cut or traded, and he may still get traded between now and tomorrow. Who knows? But anyway, he's there. And then injured reserve, of course, we know Brandon Parker and Thayer Munford, who hasn't been officially put on as of the recording of this show for Monday morning, but we'll see on that one. Okay, Mo, not a surprise for me that you had those folks there. We've been kind of talking about this ad nauseum uh, at that position, but this is the best, to me, the best guys they have right now on that offensive line to protect Derek Carr, to open up holes for those running backs and to get this offense in high gear. And I've been saying this all season. It's not about when a person was drafted, how much money he signed for. It's about putting the best five men on the field in the trenches to protect Derek Carr and to open up lanes for your running back. So the twist here was putting Dylan Parham at right guard. And I say, and I call it a twist because he didn't play a lot of right guard during the preseason, but he played there for a whole year last year at Memphis. So this isn't a foreign spot for him. So for people looking at it cross-eyed, crossways, thinking, oh, Dylan Parmer, <laughs> right guard? He played there at Memphis. This is not new for him. Um, I put John Simpson there because I feel like even though he had a rough outing against the Miami Dolphins and Parm started over him at left guard in that game, Parm also started over him during the joint practices against the Patriots. But I think him having that year of experience under his belt works in his favor and he's playing next to Colton Miller, who is the best offensive lineman in that group. So that'll help him out. Remember, Colton Miller didn't play in any preseason game. So that matters. Playing next to a guy who's experienced and pretty good helps out your younger players at, at other positions. So I think that's overlooked. But I think having John Simpson and Parham out there is a lot better than having Lester Cotton out there because Lester Cotton doesn't have the starting experience. He's been on and off the Raiders practice squad. He was a good story early in camp, but he kind of mm -hmm. fizzled out over the past couple of weeks. So, yes. again, you want to put the best five men on the field, and I think you take Parham over uh, Lester Cotton seniors. And also because Parham is the Raiders' top draft pick in this class, so obviously this current regime has high hopes and high expectations for Parham. And I, I, I still can't believe there's not a move in Coven. I think there's a move of some sort. I'm not saying it's yeah. going to be yeah. an all-pro right tackle. 
but they've got to go get a veteran. They got to get somebody that's like, okay, we're going to let Parham go. We're going to let Illuminor go. But, you know, my confidence level with those guys, with all due respect to them, is like 60%, right? It doesn't mean they can't do a good job. And that 60% means they will do overall an okay job. But I think if you can find that upgrade, and I'm sure there will be at least one guy on the waiver wire or available via trade uh, that we talked about with a, with a draft pick swap, something like that. So I, I think that's definitely we're going to see either today or tomorrow that move, I mean, maybe Wednesday at the latest, for the, the Raiders when it comes to that offensive line. So, so what do the kids say? Let, let's keep it 100 here. The only guy we feel really confident in right now is Colton Miller. That's the yes. only guy we could say, okay, we feel confident he can handle his own over there at left tackle. Everyone yeah. else is kind of like, well, we feel good, kind of good about this guy. He has some upside. He has some potential, but we'll see. I feel strongly about Illuminar because, as I said in the last show after the Patriots game, change his diet, change his mentality, change his approach, and I think you're going to see better results from him at right tackle. And I said weeks ago that he was the Raiders' best option in-house at right tackle. Now, I do agree with you. I think the Raiders still have to go out and get a veteran. I I'm going to say the name again for the 789th time. Darrell Williams is still available, and he could play right tackle and right guard. I also like Bobby Massey, who was in Denver last year, was pretty solid there. Um, some Chicago Bears fans feel different about that, but – Bobby Massey was pretty good last year for the Denver Broncos in 13 games. So I think those are the two names you look out for as possible guys you bring in to play right tackle if you're not completely comfortable with the Luminari. But again, I feel good about Luminari. I think he's going to be fine as a placeholder in that spot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 what scares me for the Raiders there is uh, the specter of injury, right? If, if anybody gets yep. injured, especially early, and they don't sign somebody, again, I think the chances of them not going out and adding – a veteran are, are slim and none. I really do. I'd be shocked if they didn't do that. Okay, now we're going to go to the other, to me, the other nerve-wracking. Go ahead. Go ahead. Not, not, not to cut you off, Scott, but I, we cannot gloss over Alex. I know we talked about this so many times. But <laughs> you got to bring him up plan, again? Come on, Yeah, got to bring him up again. I, I okay. think the plan for him should be transitioning guard. him to right guard. If you're going to keep him and if you're not going to trade him or cut him, let him develop at at, at, guard, at the guard position. Some people push back on that. But just remember, he played right guard early mm -hmm. in his time at Alabama before he moved to left tackle. Obviously, he's not going to play left tackle with Colton Miller there. Move him to guard and see what you get from him. Well, and I think Dylan Parham has done really well, but he's also a rookie. Mm -hmm. So he could struggle right. at times. Right. And if that's the case, you need somebody to go in there. So I think you have to have Leatherwood ready. So good, good call there. Okay, again, back to the other positions here this is the one that makes me nervous a little bit too interior defensive line you have Bilal Nichols Jonathan Hankins Kendall Vickers now Hankins Vickers sounds a very familiar like maybe in past years and <clears throat> I think they're both solid players when you're looking at Hankins and Vickers but we also know what the results have been with Hankins and Vickers right so they have their their specialty and they can do what they need to do Bilal Nichols adds another wrinkle there uh, but not a lot of push. You have backups as Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell Jr., who played well, uh, especially in that last game against the Patriots. So, so you're looking at this, um, and it's underwhelming to me, Mo. Even with the addition of Bilal Nichols, uh, it just doesn't seem as though, and I know everybody, Raider fans, they, they message me all the time, and they say, yeah, but Max... And Chandler Jones. I said, yes, but you got to have the push up the middle. Not, not only that, but also be able to, to control the run. 
it just worries me. If they had a guy up there, maybe, who's sitting out there on the waiver wire and wants too much money at this point. But, hey, if they had somebody there, you got to have a threat up the middle. If you don't have a threat there up the middle, then they can scheme for those two guys. And it just takes away a piece that the Raiders really need, in my view, up front. Yeah, it looks under underwhelming on paper. Um, I have high expectations for Bilal Nichols. I think he could wind up being a pretty good football player, still very young in his mid-20s, I believe. The Raiders mm-hmm. paid him on a contract where he's guaranteed about you know somewhere in $8 million neighborhood. So they obviously think he could be a playmaker. I, I think he actually is going to play about two-thirds of the snaps, run and passing downs. What you're banking on with this unit is that Neil Farrell Jr. and Matthew Butler eventually come into their own as backups or reserves. And they help out with that pass rush and that run defense. As you mentioned, Farrell had a pretty good game against the Patriots, showed some signs of life, had an underwhelming beginning of the preseason, came on late. Matthew right. Bella even made a play. So you're hoping that those two guys grow and are able to expand their role through the season. Victor's to me is the wild card. I compared him to Danico Autry. And there's a chart over on Sports Not in that article that I have of the 50 man depth chart. And I charted, well, not charted, but Pro Football Focus charted his snaps. And he played snaps at defensive tackle, played snaps over the tackle and outside the tackle. So he's able to move up and down the defensive line like Danico Autry was able to do for the Raiders, like he's still doing for the Titans right now. And you see what Danico Autry is now. He's pretty much an above average interior defender. But having a guy that could play multiple positions in Patrick Graham's scheme is going to be very valuable. And I think a Danica Archer would have been great for Patrick Graham. But of course, again, he's in Tennessee. But I think you have a poor man's, if you will, Danica Archery in Kendall Vickers. Kendall Vickers was with the team last year, made a few plays here and there, nothing significant. But I think he can grow if he gets an expanded role. Yeah, that's true. Uh, great chart there up on that story, too, from PFF, uh, which I recommend you go check out most story on sportsnot.com to get that one as well. Okay, Mo, now we get to another position uh, of interest, and that is linebacker. So if we look at your projections, or excuse me, edge rusher. Sorry, I almost skipped over the edge rushers. Um, Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, clearly. And the backups here, this is this is to me one of the good, good outcomes from camp of, of guys that really stepped up uh, and and one was a surprise, but I mean, you look at Malcolm Kuntz, you have there, you have Cleland Furl, which we'll talk about, and Tashawn Bauer. We all know about Bauer, Kuntz. Farrell is a little bit dicey. He's very good against the run, uh, and we saw some of what he did on the interior, actually, in rewatching the game. Did okay. I, I was a little hard on him, but I thought that uh, when I rewatched it, I missed a couple plays where I thought he played well. So he's going to be a role player there, but I like this unit. I like the backups there with Kuntz and especially Bowers there. Uh, Bauer, excuse me. Um, talk about them and how they mesh together and how those young guys will be used in Patrick Graham's defense. Yeah, one of the revelations of the preseason training camp for me was that the Raiders have depth behind Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. They have Malcolm mm-hmm. Coons, who's had a great preseason. They have Tashawn Bauer, who's wrecking things during the preseason. <laughs> I think both those players are pretty good depth behind your starters. So underrated depth there of course they're not household names a lot of people not aware of who they are but Raiders fans if you've been watching the preseason you know who those two guys are Koontz and Bauer uh you mentioned Cleveland Farrell and I think that's an interesting discussion because people have been asking are the Raiders going to part ways with him and I think for the same reason with Alex Leatherwood there's just so much money still tied to him I believe the Raiders would still owe him about 10 million in dead money if they cut him 
there's just not there's just not much gain from that. And and no one's probably gonna give you anything significant for Cleveland Farrell. So keep him on the roster, rotate him between the interior of the defensive line and the edge. He uh spoke about Patrick Graham's scheme, basically said he everything he he loves it. So I'm like, first I was like, well, you haven't played much in this game because you missed a lot of training camp. Farrell <laughs> missed from, I believe, July 28th to July 30th, all the way up until the last preseason game against the Patriots. Of course, he did suit up for that. But him coming back was probably him just getting his feet wet in the system. And I do think the Raiders actually keep him because of the money tied to his salary. And I believe he could have a good season for them. He's in a contract year, obviously, right? So he could he could mm-hmm. he could be he it's could motivation. be on his way. He could be on his way somewhere else. In fact, I probably believe unless he goes crazy uh, and and they want to sign him, but then then he'd probably be asking too much. And the experience, I think, is just going to mean that he's going to go elsewhere. But he's going to be playing for that contract. So so that's a good thing for the Raiders. And 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 you're already paying him, so why not just keep him there? So I know a lot of people thought about him maybe being cut. But uh, not going to happen, and I agree with you there. All right, on to linebackers. Let's show everybody uh, your linebackers here as we talk about it. Oops, as we talk about it here on Silver and Black today. <laughs> Starters: Denzel Perryman. By the way, I know it's preseason, but I like watching Denzel Perryman play. It's it, I can't wait for him <laughs> to get on the field. And Jayon Brown. We've talked about backups: Divine Diablo, Luke Masterson, the hero of the Patriot game, and whoa. Mm-hmm. You got Darian Butler back on the 53-man mm-hmm. roster, thanks to Brandon Parker being on IR, at least partly. Mo, this linebacker core could be sneaky good compared to it have being a real, I think, Achilles heel for this defense in years past. Yeah, I like the youth there. And that, and that yes. was probably the surprise of the depth chart, even when I did it, because if you've been listening to me, I was on the Darian Butler bandwagon saying he's going to make the roster, he's going to make the roster. Then I watched a lot of him, saw him miss a lot of tackles. I believe he's missed seven tackles through mm-hmm. the preseason, which is worrisome. But he's a young guy, and you figure over time he'll, he'll straighten out his technique and he'll be better at that and miss fewer tackles. So when I was putting this together, I, I thought, the Raiders aren't going to go into the season with four linebackers. I mean, it could happen, but I see them having five. And it was either Darian Butler or Curtis Bolton. And I'm not trying to down Curtis Bolton. Uh, he, he could be an asset on special teams. But I think Darian Butler's, just his motor and just what he's been able to do all over the field. Again, he's missed those tackles, but he's also made a lot of splashy plays too. And I think that matters. And I think him having his former defensive coordinator, Antonio Pierce, on the staff also matters. I'm sure Antonio Pierce Antonio Pierce actually spoke about him during a presser recently saying he he liked his development. So to me, that let me know that he's going to be a guy in the, in the coach's room banging the table for Dar- Darian Butler to at least make the practice squad. But because of the way the, the roster shook out, if the Raiders carry five linebackers, I think it has to be Luke Masterson and Darian Butler rounding out that group behind Perryman, behind Brown, and Divine Diablo. Nice group. To to your point about the youth, that's what I like about it. I also like just the 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 Perryman being there with those young guys too is just such a great example for them. They're going to learn so much, I'm sure, from him and watching him play too. All right, now well, we move. One point I want to make though. Yeah. One point I want to make though. Just like the Raiders acquired Denzel Perryman, you know, for, from the Panthers for a low pick, I wouldn't rule out them doing it again and getting another linebacker, and that could push Darren Bella the roster because i think mm. darren bell is probably the 52nd or 53rd man on that roster i wouldn't be surprised if they set the roster and then they make a trade bring an offensive lineman or a linebacker or a safety or something of that nature and then he gets booted off the roster and he has to go to the practice squad wouldn't be surprised if that happened to him but for now with the roster you see right now i have darren butler making it 
especially one of those hybrid guys, safety linebacker types, you know, uh, that has become so popular in the NFL and the Raiders really don't have as much as that as they'd like. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, now we're going to go to cornerbacks, right? So uh, we are going through the Mostradamus uh, 53-man roster projection before tomorrow's cuts. So we'll be able to grade Mo after this, which will be great. Um, at <laughs> cornerback. So here's one we'll talk about at cornerback, Mo, as we uh, flash up for people watching us on YouTube. Uh, your list. Starters, Trayvon Mullen, Rocky Sin, Nate Hobbs in the slot. No surprise there, although uh, we'll see with the backups, Anthony Averett, Darius Phillips, and Sam Webb, who also had a great uh, Phillips and Webb, I mean, Webb, especially late. Phillips, I think, a sneaky good camp. And then Averett, obviously, a, the, the crafty veteran. I like that group. The only issue for me becomes injuries with uh, with uh, Mullen. Uh, can Rocky Sin be all that he can be? And I think Nate Hobbs becomes a pro bowler this year. So the two young guys there at cornerback, might they have a uh, – might there be a short – leash for those guys when it comes to if they're struggling uh the the team the team going to the veterans behind them and that's the question about this group now you have a bunch of guys that not a bunch but Averett, rocky Sin, those guys are, are in a contract year trayvon mullen as well so you have three of your top cornerbacks according to me Going into a contract year, they have a lot to prove. They're still in their early years of development. Anthony Avery has only been a, a full-time starter for one year last year with the Ravens. So this is how I think it starts out. Averett is going to be your dime back. Mm-hmm. I think Darius Phillips' position is very, very important, and here's why. If, let's say, Sin isn't what you thought he would be, or Trayvon Mullen gets hurt, I think Nate Hobbs would probably line up outside because he did take snaps outside during the offseason, and they feel like he could play both outside and inside. So if Nate Hobbs has to move outside, who's your backup slot cornerback? And I think that's where Darius Phillips comes in, and I think that's where his value is there. But, of course, Darius Phillips can also play on the outside and the inside, but I think he's the primary backup slot guy. Then you have Sam Webb. And for me, I, you know, I like Amik Robertson. But he just didn't do enough for me during the preseason of this offseason to get for me to give him a roster spot over Sam mm-hmm. Webb, who I think was impressive for two games in this preseason, including the last game against the Patriots. I believe he was targeted eight times, only allowed five receptions for 30 yards and one first down. So he was targeted and he and he answered the bell on that one. He can line up on the outside if Rocky Sin or Anthony Averett or Trayvon Mullen struggle or are injured. So I think having him on as a sixth man on that roster is very important, but I think it all boils down to development. Even Nate Hobbs, who I, who we both think is going to have a great season, uh, young guys have to answer the bell and they have to step mm-hmm. up and develop because if they don't, there are guys behind them who could take their spot and get some significant snaps this year. And I think McDaniels, with where he comes from, he's not Bill Belichick, so I'm not going to go comparing him to Bill Belichick in style as much, but he did learn from the master, right? So he's going to, I just watched the time in New Orleans, or excuse me, in New England, there, you know, there is a quick hook. If you're not doing the job, just, just like they did in the preseason, you're going to move around. They're going to take somebody and put somebody in there to see who can get the job done. And if none of them can, they'll go find somebody, right? So, right. so I think that's what we're going to see with these guys is look, you get the shot, and if you perform well, great. But if you don't, we got some guys behind you, and we'll go get somebody if we need to. Yeah, so this is a hot take alert here for the people listening. Whoa, whoa, if stop. Sam- <laughs> hot take alert. If, 
if Sam Webb makes the roster, he is my Malcolm Butler. He's my guy that's going to – he's an undrafted free agent that's going to come from out of nowhere, and you're going to think, how did this guy not get mm. drafted? Now, he's from Missouri Western State, so, of course, not a, not a, not a, a football factory, so to speak, but – Pretty much an unknown. Now, he may go to the practice squad. They feel he needs development. But if he makes the roster, I think he's going to make some noise. Missouri Western State. All right. We go on to safeties. No surprises here for Mimo with your list. Of course, starters Jonathan Abram, Trayvon Morg, and then at backups, Deron Harmon and Roderick Teamer, which he's also good as a special teamer. That's one of the reasons I think yes. he makes this roster, right? So yes. so yes. no surprises here. Both Morig and Abram played really well. In fact, Abram was one uh, of the guys, again, with a quietly good camp. He really played well mm -hmm. because he's in the role he should be playing. And with that discipline and with Patrick Graham there, he seems to have responded, which is really, really nice thing. Yeah, the added... The added Later there is Patrick Graham isn't afraid to blitz, unlike Gus Bradley, yes. who was one of the guys who blitzed the least among defensive coordinators over the past couple of years. But including the blitz in your in your defensive scheme helps Abram because then he's able to shoot the gaps and pressure the quarterback in the pocket so he can supplement your pass rush. And that's an added skill set that we didn't see a lot of with the previous regime. So I think that's going to really help him. Uh, reach his potential, but you mentioned it. it's pretty straightforward at this position. I don't think they're going to carry four safeties. Uh, not to make fun of him, but I'm sure Raider fans are just happy not to see uh, Levitt there on the safety depth <laughs> chart because people, <laughs> Raiders fans, have been wanting him to get cut oh. for, for ages, and Gruden just kept adding him to the roster, keeping him on the 50 man. People are like, how does Levitt make it? And yeah. well, now he's not there. I believe he's in Green Bay. I believe I saw his name out there, but he is and, uh, and pretty it, straightforward at safety. It got so bad with Levitt with, with Raider Nation that even they were laughing at the fact that they were obsessing about this guy, which was funny. Mm -hmm. Then it became more of like an in, internal meme for Raider Nation yeah. uh, as time went on. But, uh, no, good call there. So we're, we're through that. All we have left is special teams. And a surprise here for Mo too. Mo has Marquette King unseating AJ <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Shout out to Marquette. I'm just kidding. But. I just wanted people yeah, to get nervous like for a minute. Uh, but, of course, Carlson, Cole, and Sieg, those guys aren't going where. They're the all-hair team now, too, as Murph mentioned on the postgame show the other night. Um, but the special teams, the kickers, we all know how good they are. But this special team struggled at times during the preseason. But the final two games, Mo, the integrity around lane control, uh, not allowing any big uh, returns, not that there were that, they were that many at all because of uh, how these games went. But nonetheless, it's good to see that Coach McMahon, on the, the new special teams coach, kind of got things in shape and got it under control. And so I think going into the regular season now, it looks as though they have a pretty good unit that's going to help them get better field position because in this AFC West this year, they're going to need it. Yeah, and I think Josh McDaniels mentioned it during one of the postgame presses that, you know, you, you don't want to simulate kickoff returns and punt returns during practice because you don't want guys getting hurt off of collisions. And I think over time, having that fourth preseason game was, was good for the Raiders because their special teams got to run against other teams. So you didn't have to simulate everything, your special teams unit got things together with their lane integrity and their tackles. So a lot of people bemoan and groan about all oh, preseason, preseason, including myself. But I think the Raiders having four preseason games really helped them get ready for the regular season against the Chargers. It did. It gave that staff, coaching staff, and the front office a lot of time 
to look at all sorts of things. Uh, an extra week is huge in the NFL, especially when you're talent evaluating, getting ready for the regular season. So there you have it. You have most Radamuses. 53-man roster projection. We'll know tomorrow, Mo, if uh, how accurate you were there. I don't anticipate any surprises. The only thing I'll say, the only caveat there is if there's a deal done around offensive line, you could see some of these guys going elsewhere, or you could see them waive to, be, to make room for someone coming in as well, and then you have salary considerations too. So we'll see what happens. But always an, an exciting day because you're one step closer to – the regular season. Also, I love watching the waiver wire and saying, okay, you know, because there's always surprises around the league, right? Doesn't that, it doesn't necessarily have to be with the mm-hmm. Raiders. It could be with somebody else. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, now Raiders Twitter, because it's the most active team on all of Twitter fan base wise. <laughs> every guy that is a star player that gets cut is not going to be a Raider. But if it's at a position of need, um, it's going to be fun to talk about. Mo, what should people look at? Is there anybody out there? Because you all weekend, you were busy all weekend working for Bleacher Report. Um, is there anybody mm-hmm. out there who might be a salary cut or some sort of surprise cut the Raiders should watch out for? The only guy I can really think of offhand is if the Raiders think they can salvage maybe a Zach Bond. I, I think Zach Bond, mm-hmm. who's played off ball linebacker for the saints is going to be let go of or possibly cut because he came out of wisconsin as a as an undersized edge rusher i believe he's about 225 pounds but the saints tried to make him an off ball linebacker and it hasn't worked out for him former third round pick mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago and he could be cut he has the versatility so he has some experience as an off ball linebacker not great at it but he can he can rush the passer and i think if the raiders want to add to the edge rushing group because you can never have too many pass rushers right Maybe you give Zach Bond a call if he's available, but I, I don't of the other list that you'll see out there from me on Bleacher Report. I don't think the Reds would be interested in a lot of those guys because I think a lot of the surprise cuts are going to be at wide receiver and running back simply because there's always a surplus of running backs in the mm-hmm. league because you can get an undrafted guy and all of a sudden he runs for a thousand yards. Wide receivers production can go up and down based on their supporting cast, their quarterback, where they're going. Are they the second wide receiver on the depth chart? Are they the third guy? So a lot of the cuts are going to be at those offensive positions where the Raiders are set running back room crowded wide receiver room talented. So I'm looking at the defense and the offensive line. And I think the Raiders, I could see if I were to set an over under for the Raiders making trades, I would set it at two. And I think it's possibly they can make two trades possibly for offensive tackle, offensive guard. Maybe you bring in a hybrid safety slot cornerback. Mm-hmm. As you said, maybe a hybrid linebacker safety. But I think they're going to add to that offensive line group, and I think they're going to add somewhere to their defense. And that's why I would say two trades the Raiders make between now and week one against the Chargers. I'm going to say one to two trades and a free agent signing of significance. I'm not saying it's an yes. Indomitian Sioux or anybody like that, but it's going to be somebody – they're going to be able to get off of free agency that's been sitting out there not wanting to go to training camp because we know there's a bunch of those guys <laughs> out there. And uh, so so I, th- I think we're going to see that too. I think they're going to pull every lever they can to improve at those positions of need, interior of the defense, the offensive line, and even at linebacker uh, or safety, like you said. So it'll be interesting. And tomorrow is going to be fun. We will be ready. We'll have our popcorn ready, getting ready to go and seeing what these Raiders do but uh it's it's that time mo it's time to get ready for 
the real football, right? It's time for the regular season, and we're going to be right with you here. Now, when we talk next, we're going to know what the 53-man roster is. We'll go through that uh, and give you our reaction and what it means for the Raiders. And hopefully, just to make it fun, hopefully there will be a deal or a signing uh, that's unexpected that we can also do that. But uh, well, I know you're going to be busy tracking it all for, for Bleacher Report and Sports Not, so we appreciate you taking the time again, my friend, and going through this story because I thought it was great. You know, I, I don't do 53-man rosters. And I'm like, Mo did one. Let's get on the air because we got to talk about it. I know everybody was excited about it. So uh, it's, it's, time. it's go time, brother. Yeah, it's definitely go time. The next time we watch a Raider football game, it will actually count for the people that say preseason doesn't matter. Well, that talk is over. It's going to count. Uh, injuries are going to come out. Injury reports are going to come out. So we're going to know about the nature of some of these injuries, including Thayer Mumford. We didn't even talk about a lot today, but I think right. his his status is going to be very important because if he if he moves to the if he moves to IR, I think the Raiders have to get another tackle. If he's not on IR, then I think the Raiders try to wing it with Jermaine Luminar in the meantime, and maybe they bring him up during the season. Thayer Mumford, look out for him. Could be a seventh round pick that exceeds expectations. Yes, and just think, then we'll get past that. That'll be our show on Wednesday, so make sure you come back to, to Mo and I on Wednesday. We'll talk about the whole rosters uh, for not only the Raiders, but we'll in the second half of the show, we'll touch on the rest of the AFC West. Was there any surprises there? Did any of those teams make moves? My guess is that they will because the, co- the competition in the division is high. The competition in the AFC is pretty stellar. And so I think you're going to see some moves throughout the conference as well. So we'll get through all that. Mo, we will talk to you on Wednesday. And it'll be fun. Finalized (laughs) rosters. It will be fun. And uh, we'll definitely be here. And we'll see how Mostradamus did on his picks. All right, brother. I'll talk to you in a sec. Uh, Okay, here we go. We are done for your Monday. So make sure that uh, you subscribe to the podcast. We certainly appreciate you being with us. Hopefully we helped you get your week off to the right start, right? Getting ready for the Raiders' big roster moves for the 53-man roster and for the 20,000, or excuse me, 2022 regular season. I appreciate you guys. It's it's Monday. You got to give me an excuse there for uh, flubbing my words. But anyway, enjoy your day. Enjoy your week. We will be back here on Wednesday to talk about those rosters. Raider Nation, be good to one another out there, and we'll talk to you next time.